All right, we're live. In five, four, three, Go ahead, two, you're live. Welcome, BBS, to the Monday call. We're so happy to have you here today. And today it is July the 11th, 2022. That is correct. And as usual, we wait for more people to join in on the conference call, as this is as usual a simulcast with a conference call. If you don't know what the topic is going to be for this evening, we will find out. Very soon, yes, we will. <coughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. Would you like to state your name and location? Hi, it's Jeannie and Sister Tite. Oh, hi, Jeannie. Uh, thanks for coming in on the call. Nice to have you here. Hello. Hi, Thank Jeannie. you for greeting me. Thank you. We're, we hi. were just saying, oh, BBS just came on the line, and um, we were just saying that well, we're not sure what the subject of the call will be tonight because it's a wild card night, so we don't oh, know yet. But we'll find out pretty soon when Winfrey comes on. And we're still two minutes away from the hour, so let's be patient and wait for more people to show up. Yes, right. More people coming in, probably at the very last minute. There's a thumping sound on the line. Is that you, Ice? Um, it could be my AC. Oh, I don't know. It's a thumping, like a thump, a thumpa, thumpa, like that. I don't hear it. Well, I don't hear it now either, but it was happening. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. Would you like to state your name and location? This is Cecil from the Great Northwest. Oh, hi, Cecil. Hi. Hi, hi. And Jeannie is on, too. Say hi to her. Oh, hi. <laughs> I, hope that, I hope I said her name right. I think that's what she said, Jeannie. And BBS is on too. They've already come on. How is your Betty doing today? Well, she's still hanging in there, and I don't know why. Uh, I've given her pain pills and anxiety pills today, as I did yesterday, and uh, she was whimpering and whining and crying and. Acting like oh, she was uh-huh. hurting, but she's, she's not, she, she's not, uh, she can't talk good enough yeah. to tell me what the problem is, so. Yeah. That I makes it really difficult to deal with. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. Would you like to state your name and location? Hi, Joan. Joan Spring. Hello, Joan. Welcome. Hi, Joan. Welcome. Hi. Hi, hi. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. Would you like to state your name and location? Roger in Austin. Hello, hi, Roger. Roger. Welcome. Hey, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. And we wait for Winfrey to show up? He's not on yet. I don't believe he is anyway. No. 
it was Monday night call. November 11th, oh. 2013. This line is now on hold. This line is now off hold. Did I do that? Did here? I put them on? Apparently. Everybody still here? <laughs> yes, yep. I'm still here. Okay. I don't know who else. I'm right. sorry, Wimp. I, I, I figured it I was Wimp playing with a button. I, <laughs> I, I, I had to go get a wheelchair for Terry today. And... Um, I had a meeting at four o'clock in in what's it called? Um Coinville. <laughs> and uh You want me to start recording? You know, I, no, just a moment. <clears throat> Is it time to start yet? It's six oh four. One more minute. And so I got back about five thirty and and you know I didn't like leaving Terry alone. I had to get her some water, and then I had to figure out. I, I had to do a replay today. I'm too discombobulated. So um, we can start, and I'll just start the recording. Here we go. The recording has started. This is July. Muted. This is July 11th, 2022. Wynn and Terry in Sedona, Arizona. Everybody everywhere. And this is our Monday night wild card night. Now, if you're on BBS um, and you're not a regular to our calls, these calls have a very unusual past history. It's been going on for years. We have been communicating with a group soul. Now, I'll just tell you what they said. It took me quite a long time to believe all this. And, you know, for about three years, they, they initiated a conversation. And um, through Terry Brown, who's right next to me right now, and um, 
they never lectured me. They just had me ask questions. And they've explained themselves to be a group soul that's pure energies, no physicality, and that they existed before the universe was created. And they have answered thousands and thousands of questions that have never been answered in the history of mankind. And we have uh, um, an archive website where you can have access to about 2,000 sessions. And these are sessions that were conducted live on a conference call. And Terry Brown was channeling. And over the course of this, we have had a number of things that you would have to call miracles, which they have have demonstrated the ability to shift reality when the circumstances are correct. And it's been everything from uh, miracles of healing to miracles of synchronicity. And this has been going on for 20 years, and over the course of doing this, we've had various people start coming to our calls that I invited because they had something to contribute that was different than what I was contributing. And one of the most amazing people who became a regular on our call for about five years was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Terry Friedman, who I met at a expo in Sedona. And uh, he came to my workshop, and then I went to visit him in Phoenix. He was in a wheelchair, and... Um, he, he, his caretaker was always with him. And when I went to visit him, he had a book on his dining room table called The Man Who Walked with Jesus. I picked it up, started thumbing through it, and it was telling the story of Jesus in modern terms, through the eyes of one of his major disciples, Matthew. And I did a number of circumstances where I had to convince myself he really was the reincarnation of Matthew. And he had the ability to remember and recall the events that occurred 
in the life of Jesus as if he was really there. And that's because he was really there. And um, I could ask him any question, and he would answer it. And he would give deep insight into the life of Jesus that was deeper than you could glean from reading about Jesus. And I'm going to do a replay from 2013 of one of those calls with Terry Friedman. And uh, um, I'm just curious. Let me unmute everybody for a moment. Unmuted. I'm just curious, how many of you on the call were around <laughs> when Terry Friedman was coming on? I Me. was. I, I was. was. Yeah. I was. And how many? How many never heard of heard of him? So all of you heard of him. And I will say that. Uh, he was a holistic medical doctor, and Jesus came to him, or that's what he believed. I don't believe things, so I, I tell people to draw their own conclusions. Muted. Now, if you're listening on BBS, you can decide, and you can investigate it further, uh, if this is accurate. But what I know was um, Jesus came to him and asked him to rewrite the book of Matthew in modern terms without exalting Jesus but telling what he saw. And he would help him with the memories. And Terry did so wrote the book and printed it himself and started talking about it and he became shunned by his doctor peer group. Like he was an older man and he had become quite a reputation as a um, uh, a holistic medical doctor. And at one point, he was, some of you may have heard of Gary Young and Young Living. They have a, a, a big, um, what do you call it, oils, you know, healing oil company. And Gary, for a period of time, was their doctor, you know, talked about their products from a doctor's point of view. But he stopped talking about his book because he got so much negative response from his doctor peer group. And so when I met him, he had 800 books in his closet and uh, and you know, he sold a handful of them, probably. 
And then we started putting him on our calls, and we sold hundreds of his books. And I put up a website where you can actually see him give a little talk on a video. The website is called manwhowalked.com, and we still have a few hard copies of his books for sale. And you can get a PDF for $12 or as low as $5 as a, as a donation, okay? And, uh, and a lot of what he was not into our stuff very much, but he brought through a very loving consciousness when he talked. And there were people in our groups, in our group, listening to him. One lady was going to Uganda as a translator, and she started holding nightly study group for Ugandans who were Christians, where they studied the book. I mean, people really took to it. And so I'm going to play this replay from November 11th. Now, when it starts off, people are still introducing themselves. And I'm going to probably go hear a jump. And I'll move to the place where Terry and I start actually engaging. So here we go. That's close <laughs> enough. You're, you're on the wrong side of the tracks, right? Yeah, right. You got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, at your Casey doctor. I believe, in the country. Dr. William. Was he William McGarry? Is that his first name, William? Yeah, right. Yeah, in Phoenix. And um, years ago, this was years ago, Terry and I were selling multi-level marketing vitamins, a product called Cernitine, and we actually came to Phoenix two times, and they used to do a show every year. Do you remember that? Yes, and we were there, and um, we had a, a table there. And, of course, I was very much into Edgar Casey. I was excited to go to um, this show, and, and and it was really exciting to meet Dr. Friedman at this, this event. And this is an incredible story because he believes he was Matthew, okay? The Gospel according to Matthew. And I, I went on the Internet earlier and looking for some quotes that were in the Gospel according to Matthew. And let me see here. If I can see. Here we go. Yes, and... and um, he judge not lest ye shall be judged. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Um, now, Terry, that was actually you quoting Jesus, right? Those quotes, or were they from Absolutely. Matthew himself? Absolutely. Uh, that what? Said to me, uh, you're, you're just quoting me, and you're nothing but a scribe. I said, that's all right. I love to be a scribe. Uh-huh. So you were writing all those things down, 
and then you put them in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, you know what? We're gonna. I, I tell people we're not going to believe that Terry was Matthew. We don't believe anything. We don't believe anything. We look for resonance. So we're going to find out tonight his story of how he feels connected to Matthew, and if he was, he was responsible for bringing forth some of Jesus' greatest messages in the Gospel of Matthew. Am I right, Terry? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, as I was reading the book, I found out that you were a tax collector. and That's right. And Jesus discovered you and said, give up everything and come with me. And you did it. <laughs> or Matthew did it. And um, is that in the Bible that Matthew was a tax collector? Yes. It is. Yeah. Tell me, why don't we start out by having you share, like, how you made this connection to Matthew. Sure, why not? Um, I was a practicing physician for the last 30 years. I was a medical doctor located in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, I must say my life has been very, very unique in that I've had many unique experiences and uh, many, many, I've got an opportunity to go to many, many countries and do a lot of traveling as well. So I've had a very rare chance to be, like they uh, educated just as Yeshua, they call him Yeshua because we all spoke Aramaic at that time. We did not speak Hebrew or any other language. Uh, we uh, basically spoke a tongue that is almost uh, unknown now. It's, it's called Aramaic. And uh, uh, basically, uh, having done this, I uh, decided that uh, being an author is much more fun than practicing medicine all day long. So uh, when I received a calling from him in 1995, he appeared to me and asked me if I would write a book about the true life that he expressed 2,000 years ago. Now, I've always been a Christian, and um, in fact, I'm an elder in the church, and uh, Presbyterian, as a matter of fact, and uh, but never... Uh, I felt very connected to him, but still, I had no knowledge how deep this connection went. But when he appeared to me in 1995 and asked me to write a book about his life, I said, well, I'm very honored and humble about your request. However, I must say I don't know anything about your life except what I've written in the New Testament. He probably said, you will remember just on top of that, I will download while you sleep my whole life before your eyes, and you're uh, asked by me to please write this down. I said, well, then I'm just a scribe. He said, that's correct. 
He said, that's a big job. I said, I agree. I shall take on the task. But at that time, I still had a medical practice in Scottsdale, Arizona, so things went very slow. So after I retired in 97... Excuse me, Kelly, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, and that is, when you had this vision of Jesus, can you share, like, was it a voice in your head? Did you see, you have a vision of seeing him? How were you sure that it was actually Jesus, if well, you were? You know, um, even though I'm uh, analytical in my, my daily life, I still let my heart lead me. And I knew immediately, nobody had to tell me. I knew I had a feeling. I heard him. He was talking to me, just like you're talking to me now, when he's talking to me quite loudly. And this hasn't been the first time either. I've had that when I went to Egypt uh, in 92. However, he spoke to me very clearly and distinctly that you will remember, you will remember. And I had uh, not the time at that time to complete the book. So it took me seven years to write this book about his life. And he, during that time, I spoke to him frequently. He would call me Matai. I said, where does that come from? He said, that's the Aramaic name of Matthew. So he felt, constantly said to me, you were Matai, period. I said, yeah, I might have been asked, but I don't think I was really him. Yes, you were him. So I accepted his words and wrote this book about, from my perspective, as Matai. And uh, as I said, the sixth disciple, and I remember meeting him when five, him and five disciples came to a small town in, uh, by Nazareth. They uh, came into the roadway there, and I immediately caught my attention. So I began to get close to him and learn more about him. But I indeed was a tax collector. And I was very much a had a Roman heart. I liked the way the Romans lived. They had a very, uh, very well-educated and a very, uh, you might say, a few of a lot of countries they would conquer the countries and then bring back much of the culture that they had learned from those countries. So I kind of, I kind of put myself on their side and spent a lot of my time in, in Rome. However, once he asked me to join him, my whole life changed. So, uh, the, the book got really going. When I retired in 1997 from my medical project, I could devote to full time by creating this book. Uh, I must say that a big part of that was having purchased a beautiful uh, cottage in, uh, in the city up there, the northern, northern city of, of Colorado, where I moved after I retired. And there, by the creek, I had my days cut out for me. Uh, during the night, the information was downloaded to me 
in the morning, I would get up and write for hours, and then uh, walk in the national forest up there. It's it's the beautiful mountains, of Colorado. In, Col- in Col- what city in Colorado? That was in the city of oh God, I'm losing my thought now. Sorry, I'll tell you in a minute. Anyway, but don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's not important. Estes Park. It's called Estes Park. Park. It's a resort city up there. And uh, we bought a wonderful house there along the river near downtown Estes Park. And I used to spend weeks on end up there, uh, essentially by myself, creating this book. Now, when when you got the downloads from Jesus, did it wake up memories in you? Like, did you say, yes, I, I know that? Little by little it did. Mm-hmm. But the major thing that woke up my memories was actually writing the book. Mm-hmm. The first chapter is devoted to my first meeting of Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Five uh, Motley crew. And, of course, I consider myself more sophisticated and worldly, having spent most of my time in Rome, uh, but coming back to this town of Nazareth and collecting taxes and so forth. But I was very much aligned with the, Rose, the Roman concept, the Roman ideas, and considered myself one of the better educated of the, of the disciples. Now, Jesus did this with all his disciples. He would just walk up to them and say, said, uh, you're supposed to come with me, right? And then they just went along, right? Well, some did, some was hesitant at first, but eventually joined the crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't spontaneous for everyone. I think, I think it was, uh, one of, the, one of my brothers, Thomas, who said something like, well, I've got to go bury my parents or whatever it was. And Yasha said something to the effect, let the dead bury the dead. Come with me now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the things that was striking when I started coming through your book, and by the way, it's called The Man Who Walked with Jesus. Is it available on Amazon, Terry? Yes, it is. It is available okay. on Amazon. It's also available in my website, which is Dr. Friedman Essential Oils dot com. that. Now, my last name is F R I E D M A N N. Two N's in that, but that's it. Dr. Friedman Essential Oils dot com. Okay. So go to uh, go to uh, Amazon or Barnes uh, uh, and Noble has some of my books, but not all of them. But that one I know is in Amazon, and you can get it on my website. Mm-hmm. You know, it it seemed to me as I was thumbing through your book that Jesus kind of liked the party. <laughs> he did. Right. He's a very lighthearted guy. 
he, he performs yeah. yoga every day. He loves yoga, and he ate very, very smartly and very healthily, and tried to get us to join him. And of course, we were on the road a lot with him, so we basically ate what he ate. Mm-hmm. He was a very light-handed, light-hearted man, and a very human man, I must say. Mm-hmm. And you were there when he turned water into wine, right? I hadn't joined yet. No, I didn't see that. That part. You didn't of see life. that. But he was uh, dancing pretty wildly there, and then at the wedding party, and then the uh, the uh, master who's putting on the wedding party uh, actually said, "We're running a little on land on, on wine. We've got many more guests than we." Participated, I participated, and uh, asked. Actually, it was his mother Mary that asked him, "Please, son, turn this water into wine." So we did. It was the top quality wine too. I'm not a, necessarily a wine connoisseur, but I do like wine, and I think that uh, my understanding is it was good, good grade of wine. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, when I read your, when I was reading your book. It sounds like he didn't do it to show off or to do a miracle. It's because they needed wine, right? In fact, he was reluctant to reveal himself. Yeah. It was yeah. his mother that pushed him. Mm-hmm. How about, were you, were you there for any of the other miracles that happened? Almost every one after that. That was on the very early uh, time of his life on this earth and... Uh, but for the rest of the time, I was pretty much involved. Mm-hmm. What is it do you think that Jesus, uh, about Jesus that no one knows about, that you have some memory of, that would be neat for people to hear? Uh, I think you hit it on the nail there, that he was a, uh, he was really a, a guy who loved life, who played tricks on his dear mother, and uh, he was a little bit of a... And by the way, he never liked carpentry, never got involved in carpentry. It's mentioned in the Bible, mentioned somewhere, and it's believed by many Christians that he was a real carpenter. He never liked carpentry. He just didn't feel drawn to it. He thought his work was higher than that the sense of spiritually message he had to bring to to the world. So mm-hmm. uh, it was his brother John who uh, worked with his father in the carpentry shop. The other thing was Jesus was not poor. His uh, great uncle was Joseph Arimathea. And Joseph Arimathea was a wealthy, wealthy trader who sailed his ships around the ocean and uh, to India, to uh, England, Scotland, in fact, to the United States, and uh, uh, traded with all types of people. And he got to know a, a lot of these countries quite well. In fact, the big thing was when... Uh, Jesus reached 12 years of age, he went with his uncle, Joseph Arimathea, 
and uh, became a deckhand and learned to be a man and a sailor all at once. But learned along the line about people throughout the world that was known at that time, which included, as they say, India. He learned many things from going to India, as well as going to Tintagel in uh, northern England, going to the visit the native um, Indians in uh, Mexico at that time. So a lot of these things he had found out from the wonderful education that could only be given to him by his wealthy uncle. So he wasn't poor by any means, but he left a very, was in a very humble life and never was much for luxuries. Mm-hmm. And you know, when, when Jesus and his disciples were tromping around, was um, Joseph of Arimathea footing the bills, or were, you know, like, like they obviously had to eat and sleep somewhere, were people taking care of them, or were they staying in the motels of the time? <laughs> no, a lot of times we slept out under a tree outside, and don't forget uh, this part of Israel was very uh, good climate to we occasionally saw snow, but that was pretty rare. It was only at the higher altitudes. But mostly people were very kindly and accepted us and took us in and fed us and things like that. If not, we did with what we had. Dried, dried fish. We were around the, uh, sea, sea of Galilee for quite a long time, which we were able to get abundant fish from that area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I should see if Terry, you know, you, you, you know, the work that we're doing has a connection to Jesus. And part of the connection is that we believe, I mean, there's a huge amount of evidence to this. I don't know if you looked at it, but that Terry was... Are you familiar with St. Catherine of Siena? I've heard of her, yes. I'm not that familiar with it, but I have heard of her, yes. Absolutely. Here's the story. St. Catherine uh, was a young woman in Siena, Italy, and she would go into the local church, and they would write down everything she said because they thought God was speaking to them through her, yeah. and uh, apparently she was talking to Jesus because Jesus um, um, said, you're now my, well, maybe, Terry, you want to share that part? Hello, Terry, are you on mute? Can you hear me? I hear you. Okay. Well, I remember this is what I remember. Uh, I remember the feeling of being married um, and having the feeling of a wedding ring and that I was married uh, to a father, son, and the Holy Ghost. And uh, that uh, 
that's where I made my commitment. Rather than in a worldly marriage, I thought that I was married to a father, son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, I have other memories of that life, too. And the thing with memories, as you have mentioned, like as you wrote the book, you remembered more and more the thing that I found is that I remember more and more as time goes by. Yes. Not only that, before I published this book in 2002, I decided to go on a trip to Israel and see for myself the places that we had visited and see what it's like today. And I did do that. And that brought things to a real uh, foundation of meaning to me because uh, I saw things as they are today and then I remembered more things of how they were before when I actually saw uh, uh, Peter's house and so on and so forth, which said to still be standing. So when I saw those things and and uh, sailed on the Sea of Galilee, it opened up a lot to me. And my memory came back a lot quicker at that time. So right before I finished the book, I did include that as the final chapter. So that really made a big difference to bring everything uh, to to me at that time. Meeting meeting some uh, herdsmen who spoke, who lived in the uh, spoke Aramaic, and lived in the tent of skins of animals, and and went went around the villages, and went throughout the country feeding their animals. This also uh, helped me gain a lot of knowledge about the language and much of my work at that time or play if you want to look at you we were more serious than he was I think <laughs> he had his handful teaching these 12 dumb guys about life I think and what it was all about because we were certainly going against the grain when we began to discuss these things yeah, I remember when he brought Judas on. You weren't too pleased with Judas, were you? No, he's kind of an outsider because most of us were from around northern Israel. We we were from, you know, from the cities there, uh, Nazareth or whatever. Uh, but Judas was brought in from Jerusalem. And he had a different agenda. God love him. He had one of the toughest jobs there. I say that because his idea was, hey, we we can challenge Jesus here publicly, and he'll stand up and break through the bars of the prison and, and show that he is stronger than anything. Well, we can chase the Romans out of our country. We're now occupying the state of Israel. So this was his belief, and uh, he was a very, he was very, he was very, very defined on that belief that that was the way things were. But 
he was only one of the 12 of us. And we all had slightly different perspective on things. As I said myself, I was kind of aligned with the Roman Empire. So that didn't, that didn't interest me at all, what his ideas were. I've heard this story before about Judas, because normally it's, historically, he's thought of the guy that betrayed Jesus for silver. But in fact, I've heard two other stories. One was that he wanted to put Jesus on the line so Jesus would stand up in it and the whole world would recognize him, um, which is what you're saying. And, and the, uh, the other was that Jesus, in fact, wanted this to happen because it was a way that he would reach people. Do you know? Yeah. Well, that is unique about him, that he, that he was crucified, ascended, and uh, quite different than the other. Because, you know, death by the, the cross was quite uh, quite common in that day. Uh, it wasn't just the, the three people on the hill overlooking Jerusalem. A lot of people were crucified. If they, if they try to challenge the conquerors, the Romans, they were put to death uh, in a very painful way, hung on the cross. So being on the cross is not particularly fun, but it certainly wasn't uncommon. And uh, Jesus kept telling me today, he said, whatever you do, take me down from that cross. I don't want to be up there. I don't want to be known as the guy on the cross. I want to be known for the message I brought to the world, which says we are all one. We are all children of God. And that's the important thing. Not not the message that he was on he died on the cross to save our sins. He didn't know I didn't say save your sins. I'm not your sins say I'm I'm your servant. He told me that many times. I am your servant. I'm not here to save you from yourself or the things you do. You can, you have to deal with that. I'm here as your servant to help you see things more clearly. Wow. That's beautiful. Hey, are, you, <laughs> are, are you coming up with any questions? Well, you were there after he, 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 he was on, on, on the cross and yeah. then you were there after he appeared resurrected. Am I right? That's correct. And it took him about uh, about six days, five to six days to ascend completely. Uh, mm-hmm. He was put in the tomb of that uh, his great uncle, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, had saved that tomb and he was placed in there. And then obviously uh, he came down, he came down out of that tomb. He had the shroud still around him. The shroud of Turin is actual the factual shroud that he wore, and eventually that truth will be brought out. Right now, there's some controversy of the people that, that have control of that shroud. And by the way, there's two pieces. There's the facial shroud, and then there's the body shroud. So he uh, he 
basically claimed to me that is my correct route. And you'll find, when your analysis gets improved, you'll find evidence of the frankincense oil still on that shroud that he was prepared a death with by the Marys. Mm-hmm. The Mary and his, his twin flames, Mary Magdalene. Or Mary you know, Magdalene. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to tell everybody if they're not aware of it, the Shroud of Turin actually exists right now, and that there's a image on it of Jesus that's kind of burned into the Shroud, and this controversy about, this is what Terry was talking about, um, whether that's actually Jesus or somebody faked it or something like that. But you can look it up, Shroud of Turin, and um, and read about it. And Terry, Terry, who are, who are you, who are your favorite disciples? Who are your friends? Oh, golly. Or Ma- Matthew's friends? Yeah, Matthew. Oh, well, actually, it's wise enough. I didn't manage to make friends with J- Judas. I, 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 one thing about him, he was a little uh, anti-Roman, but. I, I learned that he was very educated, one of the most educated than myself, and uh, I did like him quite a bit. Uh, Thomas was a good friend of mine, and still is. Uh, he's you, know, you know him this, you know him this lifetime? Yeah, but he came in, uh, he came in a um, female body this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that was a good friend of mine then. And as groups, we stuck together, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which often happens. Which kind of how, about, how, how, how about John the Beloved? Uh, honestly, because he was homosexual, we kind of liked, we didn't like his feminine ways. In fact, in the, on the painting of the, uh, the Last Supper, He's sitting next to Yeshua. He looks very feminine. He was very feminine. But he's really a good guy. And uh, Mary uh, was introduced uh, to him by Jesus when he was on the cross, saying, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He knew that he could trust John. So what he did, he took, when things got tough after his, uh, after his crucifixion, he took her to uh, Turkey and uh, went to the city of Ephesus in Turkey and uh, got a place for her on the mountaintop overlooking Ephesus. Ephesus used to be a, a Roman uh, city in Turkey, a seacoast, that was eventually silted in. And, uh, is abandoned now today. But they're finding lots of, uh, interesting things in their library there. And they've only about three to five percent uncovered by archaeological digs. But it's a very marvelous, uh, finding of, of this li- lifetime when a lot of people respected Ephesus. But he put her in a mountaintop retreat 
above Ephesus, looking down over Ephesus, if she could go down when she needed supplies. And uh, that's where she was the last eight years of her life. So John the, John the Beloved was gay. That's not in the Bible, is it? <laughs> no, none of us put him there. But he did, and, I will say this, he did not practice. He did not practice it. He was, mm-hmm. he was really, uh, he was committed to Jeshua's, Yeshua's, uh, you know, uh, his, his needing to get the word out, the message out through the healing. When we went around the country doing our healing, doing our, our work in the villages where we were generally well received by the people at that time. But we also had at times a very large entourage with us of people who were looking after us and making sure we had everything right and everything was cooked properly and just the way that Yeshua liked it. And the times we did not spend in the house at night, we had the, the company of all these wonderful people who followed us wherever we went. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a story that years ago, I had a teacher that I was very influenced by. Um, I would say he was the, the best. You know, at one period of my life, I was going to yogis and masters and gurus and reading everything, and this one guy was awesome. He would give a talk, and I could feel the energy land in the room, and I could feel my depressions going away. I could feel there was something in his presence, and I think I had that experience with him, and, in, you know, in recent times, I show up and do things, and people feel similar energy as I felt around this guy. Yeah. And um, he was like a role model. Uh, he, he, uh, he, um, and he used to say that he was John the Beloved, okay? And um, I used to think maybe he was because of his ability to bring in this wonderful energy into the space. And probably about 12 years into his work, 12 or 15, I don't remember, he got into deep doo-doo because it came out that he was having relationships with the four guys that were his his assistants. And they all got mad at him. And so it's very interesting that you said John the Beloved was gay. It's really interesting because I don't think anyone really... Well, there are people, if if you look at the Internet, there's people that mention it. And then some people say they thought that Jesus was having a connection with John the Beloved. But um, nonetheless, that this guy was awesome in his ability to transmute spirit and bring it into the room. I don't want to say 
who he is because I don't want to. His work got very damaged because of this gay thing that came out, and um, and a lot of people left him because of it. And um, but it's very interesting that um, you mentioned that. Boy, we had so, fun. We made fun of John because he was kind of naive, and you know, but he would he would do anything he could. To help Jesus is in his uh, work, so forth. So, so there was nothing mm-hmm. he wouldn't do. So he was really mm-hmm. very faithful. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, we have about ten minutes left. We could go to twelve minutes, and there's two things I want to do in the next twelve minutes. First off, I want to make sure that we sit in and thank you, Karen in Alaska for reminding me, you didn't even do it Sunday, because I wasn't even paying attention to the news, but do a prayer um, or an intention for the Philippines, for the 10,000 people supposedly died there, and I'm sure a lot of people are homeless at the moment. So we want to do a prayer for them, and um, Terry, I hope you'll join us for that. But before we do that, let's just see if anyone's got a burning question for you. And um, I'll open the lines. Let's see how much noise we got here. Hang on. I got a question. Now, who is that? Is that Donald Herman? Yep, it is. I was just curious uh, about you were talking about Jesus traveling, and you said he went to uh, South America. Do you know if what do you have met Mayans, or do you have any idea who he might have met with there? Uh, no, it wasn't South America. It was more like Mexico. Mexico is considered North America, by the way. And yes, he met a lot of the Mayans and this group, and uh, they were still doing sacrifices, even though uh, Yeshua and Joseph really enjoyed the wonderful tropical breezes. I think when they were sitting on the beach, they tried to uh, influence the uh, heads of the Mayan group uh, or the Aztec group, I think was before the Aztec came uh, came about, they they were the Aztec were a break off from the mines. They tried to tell them that God doesn't expect or doesn't even want, doesn't care for any of the sacrifice. That's wrong. Whether it be animal or man, it's wrong. Let's stop doing that. That was the message that Yeshua and Joseph Marimathea gave to these uh, elders of the. Mayan population was at that time in southern Mexico. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Let's see if we got another question. Anyone else have a question? Out there? I was just going to mention there's a great book if he wants more information about Jesus in Mexico. It's called He Walked the Americas by L. Taylor Hansen, and she spent all these times with the Native Americans in the area, and they told um, of all the stories about being visited by Jesus that had been passed on. It's a great book. What's the title again, please? He Walked the Americas. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm well, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's validation for Terry's story, too. It, um, did someone else have a... Terry, you wanted to say something. Go no, ahead. I just want to say that uh, uh, Jesus came back uh, as a winged serpent. That's the way they define him. A uh, serpent to uh, the southern Mexican people and wisdom. And winged 
showed that he could go up and down at will into the sky. So they, they tried to call him Quetzalcoatl, which was a name for the winged serpent. They talked about mm-hmm. it today in the culture. That is correct. Kerry, is Jesus still ever talking to you? Yes, occasionally he does. Um, doesn't seem to be as committed as when I was writing the book, but he, he still talks to me, just as a lot of his, a lot of his close allies do, uh, in, in the enlightened form that they now exist. Tell him if he ever wants to say hello to our group. We would love it. Okay. <laughs> I shall. Yes, I shall. And uh, let's see if we have another question. Anyone else have a question there? I do. Was Jesus yes. a vegetarian? Uh, was, was Jesus a Sagittarian? Is that no, the question? a vegetarian. <laughs> oh, was he a vegetarian? Thank yeah. <laughs> we had great discussions about that. Uh, because some Hi, of us, can you hear me? Uh, we're vegetarians and others were not. Hello, we hi. That's up to the source. To you guys, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel right about, you can be a vegetarian or not. It's okay because we indeed rule these yeah, animals man. of our, of our planet. Hi. However, we've got can to respect pause, them and be kind pause to the them. audio. Thank you. You know what? <laughs> While that was being played, our electricity went off in the house. We lost the internet. And, uh, so Hyde, you'll have to work with me here. Okay, cause okay. right now we're in the dark. Darius is resting. And we have to go to Whole Planet Healing. If you're on BBS radio, we have another hour in store. And, um, we, you know, I started talking earlier about how we have been asking questions to a source that has identified itself as a group soul that was pure energy beings that existed before there was a universe. And they have said, Early on, when I was questioning them, trying to figure out who they really were and what they did, they said they were able to project themselves anywhere into the universe. And they could expand themselves as big as a galaxy and as small as an atom. And initially, I... I didn't necessarily believe or disbelieve things like that. I said, if it's true, it'll have to prove itself to me. And so, over time, actually, the first time this happened was I had written The Reincarnation of Edgar Casey, and I was giving my first talk on that book in San Diego. And while I was talking, I could see this energy in the room. And as people were leaving the room, they were lining up to buy books, and Terry Brown was sitting at the table. And I walked out, and she looked at me and said, what did you do in there? These people are all lining up and saying they could see energy in the room, and they could see auras in the room. And I said, 
Well, I was just talking about the book. So the next day, we did a channeling, and I asked them, could you explain that energy that people were feeling in the room? And they said, that was us. We were helping you. And that absolutely blew my mind because they had said they could project energy in, into the universe. And, and of course, I didn't believe it, but then I had to believe it. And then I did a bunch of little expos all over California for the next six months to see if it kept happening. And it did. And then we started doing conference calls. And I asked them, did you do that on a conference call? And they said they could. It wasn't quite as easy to get the energy as strong. And they did it, you know, in a room. They could, it's all in one location. But we're, when they're, when we do the conference calls, they are projecting energy to the people that are on the call. That's what they said. And that's how they 703 did it. win. I know. We're going to move in just a moment. So we're taking advantage of that. We're doing whole planet healing. It's a call that is a healing call where we utilize this ability of them to project energy into this realm. And we, you just have to stay on the line and don't leave and see if you feel the energy. On that note, we're going to disconnect this conference line, and BBS is going to connect with our whole planet healing conference line. And it might take 30 seconds or something. So on that note, uh, thank you all for listening. And hang on a second. Unmuted. You're on BBS Radio. Yay. Hi, BBS. <laughs> That's the way I take the ivermectin. Welcome. I buy the horse ivermectin and squeeze it out of the Welcome to everyone on yeah. BBS to Whole Planet Healing. And welcome to the next caller. Would you like to say your name and location? Antonio Nojas Los Molinos. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Welcome to Whole Planet Healing. Would you like to say your name and location? Joan, Don't this is Gretchen in... Hi, Joan. Hi, Gretchen. 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 Hi, well, yes. hang on. Planet Healing, would you like to say your name and location? But only if you want to. I'm just old and befuddled. <laughs> Cecil. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bring us up to date on Betty. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's hanging on there and, and uh, getting a little weaker all the time, and then she kind of comes back to life again. Oh, I Are don't know. You- I've, do you like that because you have her there a little longer? I mean, you know, should we maybe still try to pray for healing? 
What, no, what do no, you want? don't do. No, do do not do that. Pray for a quick, quick well, passing. All right. Okay. Like say your name and location. It's winning Sedona. Hi, Win. Hi, Win. Oh, God bless you. Caller, would you like to name and location? But only if you want to welcome to Hope Planet. You only do like to name and location. Can Mr. Fog? Hi, Ken. Hello, Ken. Hi, Ken. A lot of people here tonight. We are at 7 and 7, so let's mute the phone line. Thank you all for being here. Muted. Uh, this is Winfrey in Sedona, Arizona. And oh, hold on, start. hold on. We didn't start the recorder yet. We're checking on Jackie. Is Jackie here? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. So, then just get going. It is um, 7 11. July 11th. The recording has started. This is 7-11, July 22. And uh, it makes me think of going to the convenience store. In any case, you are tuned in to Whole Planet Healing. We are going to do a very quick healing call for our planet and for ourselves. And it's just based on this connection we've made with a group soul that identified itself as the Council of Elohim that joins us energetically while we do this call and adds their energy to our requests for planetary healing. And I turn it over to Jackie, who's going to be our concierge for this event. Thank you so much, Wynn. Well, I'd just like to say welcome to everyone to the Whole Planet Healing Conference call. And we really appreciate uh, Mondays because we have the pleasure of sharing our call with our BBS radio family of listeners. And as you can imagine, when trying to raise the consciousness of our planetary matrix, we need all the assistance we can get. So thank you all for joining us tonight. And uh, we see the whole planet healing call as an opportunity to be of service every evening. And again, it is so valuable to have you all here tonight. Because there is strength in number when doing this positive healing work. So let's all get comfortable, push aside any distractions, and let's get started by welcoming Cecil from near Seattle, Washington, who recites our invocation requesting energetic protection for ourselves and our efforts tonight. Cecil? Thank you, Jackie. Father, Mother, God, the one infinite creator, we ask for the presence of the light to surround and protect everyone in attendance, including those on BBS radio, and any negativity be taken to the highest realms of light and be transmuted for the highest and greatest good of all concerned. 
we see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through our galaxy, the Milky Way, through our solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies and into the center of the Earth. Right now, we invoke a group energy connection with all those present who are open to do so while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls. We invite those sources who are positive, service to others, honoring the law of one, to join with us. We co-create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. And that's you, Jackie. Thank you so much, Cecil. Well, Winfrey and Terry Brown always join us on this call. And at the beginning here, uh, Win takes this opportunity to share whatever thoughts are on his mind at the moment. So, Win, are you available? Hello, Win. Hello. Hello. Yes, there we go. There you are. I am as available as possible. I'm sitting here in a house. All our electricity went off. I don't know if we blew a breaker or if it's off. It's part of the city. And uh, my phone has enough charge to get through this call. And... um I don't know how to get to the breakers because we have, what am I, you know, uh, electric garage openers and the breakers are in the garage. So we can't open the garage to get to the breaker if it's a breaker. But so much for all the mundane <laughs> challenges of the 3D world. And, um, I think every, I don't know if we're on BBS yet. I called up Don. He said we were on, and uh, I hope we are. Yes, we um, are on this call. We are. Uh, do you know for a fact the earlier call wasn't on, Jackie? Yes, I tried to uh, uh, listen on BBS, and it never came on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So just. In very brief, without trying to go into a big explanation, we have been communicating with sources at a very high level on the other side. And they've told us that our planet is kind of in deep doo-doo. And, um, and they, they were explaining this to us years ago, but it's kind of coming to everybody's attention right now. And it's very important to keep your cool, to not get panicked out, and to hold a good space, but also prepare yourself 
the things that might happen. And we've learned that these sources on the other side can assist us. And we've seen numbers of miracles as a result of the connection with them. And I learned that they honor free will, and which means we have to ask for their help. And we saw that happen enough times for enough people that we started Whole Planet Healing, which is a call of asking for help on the planet and also for ourselves when we need it. So this this call is going to go till 8 p.m. Pacific time, and I hope you'll stay on. Many people feel an energy on the call, and and we attribute that energy to the sources on the other side that have been communicating to us. So back to you, Jackie. Thank you so much, Lynn. And uh, as Lynn was mentioning, it does feel like things are getting so much worse. But part of that is because as we get closer to the end, um, there's a great polarization going on. So it just seems really, really difficult right now as things polarize. And uh, we get a lot of advice on how to deal with this situation, and it's all in uh, the archives of the spiritchannel.net. There are a couple thousand timeless messages that are archived. Carrie Brown brought through most of those conversations between the sources in Winfrey, and they are loaded with really great advice on how we can navigate through these difficult times. Now, in the meantime, we have Bonnie from Corona, California, who scans through these archives on the Spirit Channel, as well as other compatible resources, and she chooses a message to share with us each night. So, Bonnie, what can we look forward to this evening? Hi, thank you. Okay, we are going to visit a call that took place on July 13, 2011. And this was a Wednesday night question and answer call. And after wind calls in the light, we have a short greeting from Ra on through Terry before the first question is asked. And so Ra on greets us. We greet you in the love light of the one infinite creator. This is Ra'an, and we are with you on this day, the 13th of July, 2011. And we are delighted to move into the earth's plane and make contact and greet each and every one of you on this line. Do you have questions? And Wynne says, yes, we do. Uh, we have a question here. A lot of people are talking about aliens, the shift, and many other things. Many of them feel that aliens live among us now. 
some good, some bad, and many say, not to be afraid, that there is an overwhelming dynamic to the situation that will protect us. And Wynne adds, I know that in the law of one, we were told this same concept, not to be afraid of the future, because those here, there are those here who are helping us. From our sources, point of view, I would like to have continued validation of that idea. And we don't have anything, and that we don't have anything to fear from outside influences, from outside planets or other star systems. And Ra'an Terry then gives us some information. When one is oriented to their own balance within their own system, their own matrix, and oriented with the positive higher forces, then there is protection. Another aspect of this is to maintain your own individual ethics, as when you maintain your own balance, and your own ethics, and your own positivity, there is nothing for the negative to get hold of within your system to reel you in. There are other alien groups that are in your solar system that have journeyed to Earth and back, and there are visitations within your own system. These Craft come in and are cloaked so that generally you do not see them. There is some interplay between other systems and the secret government. There is some talk about disclosure, and there are individuals who wish disclosure and others who feel this is a great mistake. It is felt sometimes, that such disclosure would bring too much upset. There is much that goes on out of sight, out of the medium's hearing. It raises questions for those astute individuals who are wanting disclosure or wanting more information about what is actually going on. As far as positivity and whether there is danger from those guys or other star seeds or travelers from dimension to dimension or from planet to planet, they generally keep out of sight. And there is a guaranteed code in effect for planet Earth as it is generally felt that the governments and people in control would not take wisely to open intergalactic travel at this time. If a spaceship landed, should you go? It depends upon the positivity or negativity of that spaceship. In general, the Greys are using the human race 
to further their own race genetically, as they have run into problems, and they would not like to lose the ability to do that by being openly negative to the population of Earth. And when adds, I'm going to add a question here. In many circles and many different messages from people, there is the implication that the battle between negative and positive has been won and there is nothing to worry about. Could you comment on that? And Ra'an answers, that is a very simplistic answer to a very complex question. Who is it that the battle is against? There are many battles and many areas at play, and more would have to be looked at to focus in on who the battle has been won against. We see that there are silent causes for things such as economic troubles, and they are caused and the people are led through economics. If you consider that one of the main battlefields, it is not yet won. If you consider the ET forces, such as the Greys, it is at a standstill, and there is nothing to really be won. We would need more clarification, and we suggest that anyone who has been told that the war has been won against negativity to clarify who are the participants in the battle before proceeding further. And then when asked another question I would like to ask, in that many people today talk about the entire planet ascending and moving to a new level. And the implication is that all people will move with it to this new level. Now, it has never been my understanding that this is true, and it goes back even to Carla Ruckert's reading, where they said a small group of people will graduate, a small percentage, and the rest will be cycle repeaters. So I would like to get a current assessment of that, and people can make up their own minds about what is true, but I think when people hear that the whole planet is ascending, there is a tendency to give up your motivation to get better, to grow, because you think it's all being taken care of. So I think this is an important question for many people to get our sources point on this particular question. And Ra'an then adds, the planet vibrationally is being impacted by higher vibrations and it is ascending in frequency. And as it ascends in frequency, individuals to survive more and more need love and a helping hand from their neighbors in groups. This is leading more and more people towards community and harmony. 
But on the other hand, as conditions and economics are placed in the way of people harmonizing, as when one does not have enough money or enough to eat, then they can become very traumatized. Good neighborly love towards the others in their community. So as the natural processes leading towards more and more love, the process of economics that is being thrown in the way of many people is a degrading process and creates blocks towards the ascension of many people. The whole planet is moving towards the higher frequency. And in order to survive in the higher frequency, one needs to open up their hearts more. As things move slightly faster, they being in motion, then this is them in a greater connection with the others around them. One should not merely assume they are ascending just by virtue of the fact that someone said the whole planet is ascending. It is an individual thing. And as we have mentioned, roadblocks can come in the way by man-made interference in the process. For instance, roadblocks in economic harmony and slanting outcomes by manipulating products, transport of products, economic difficulties such as lack of jobs by slanting the money mines so that individuals will run into difficulties which will hold them back from an open heart and full, full expression within their God-given rights to interact with others. That is our answer. And I just want to add that this is a good example of the timelessness of most of these messages because if there was ever a, a time where there are economic roadblocks, I think now is it. So we need to Set that stuff aside and keep our true positivity, especially on this call where we're asking for more positive outcomes. And I love you guys. I'm turning it back to you, Jackie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And uh, great commentary at the end. You, you stole my thoughts out of my brain again. Now, in our next segment, we are going to join Jennifer from Greensburg, Pennsylvania, who researches the current earthquake and volcanic activities on our planet. And this is because our sources have asked us to stay informed of these current events and that they will add their energy to our efforts to soothe Mother Earth. Always keeping in mind, though, that the highest and greatest good for all is considered. They've also suggested that the most beneficial offering we can extend is the energy of calmness. So as Jennifer guides us to each area of activity, let's gather our group energy and focus that calming frequency to all areas of concern. 
Jennifer. Thanks, Jackie. Tonight, as always, I want to invite Spirit of Mother Earth to travel with us as we psychically travel the world and send calm to those regions that need it. Also, I would like to invite our sources who are already with us, of course, but I would like to invite them as well because these entities can increase our intent for calming. And today we're going to take a quick look at the Big Island of Hawaii. Pretty typical day there. Um, the largest I found was a 3.4 in the, I'm going to call it the lava field because it's where it all runs underneath there at Pahala. And we did have some activity leading out to some uh, undersea volcanoes. Now, everything was 3.4 or less. Um, and there was uh, a scattered little bit here and there. There was one uh, little activity by Mauna Loa and then one north of Kilauea. So let's take it just a quick moment. I do want to thank Mother Earth for giving uh, a Hawaii good day today. And I would like to ask for calm for tomorrow and beyond. And now we're going to move south. And this area, I'm going to start, um, there's a set of islands called the Auckland Islands, south of the South Island of New Zealand. <clears throat> there was a 4.7. Now, this, where this occurred, um, was on the Kermadec Trench. And then we're going to move north along that same trench. And just north of the northern island, we had a 4.2. And then moving further north to the Kermadec Islands, we had a pair of 5.0s. And then a little bit further north to Fiji, 4.4, to Tonga, which lies at the top of that trench. And <laughs> there was so much going on there. Uh, there was a 5.5. 5. 5.8, uh, 6.0, 5.6, and this is all Tonga, Samoa area. And then we're going to make a western turn over toward Vanuatu. And at Vanuatu, we had a 6.1 and a 5.7. And when I was doing the research for this today, somebody um, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but somebody said that this is uh, Zealandia that is rising because being, everything's being pushed up. Um, anyway, we're going to move beyond that over to Papua New Guinea. We did have a 4.3. And then continuing west to Indonesia, also to the sorted force, but 4.9 was the largest. Then we turn north uh, to Japan. We had a 4.2, and then nothing else till we get up to Alaska. The Aleutians were virtually silent today. Uh, the largest occurrence in Alaska was on the mainland, it was a 2.8. And I really want to thank Mother for that one. That's a very, very quiet day. Unmuted. 
Thank you. Okay, now we're over to uh, Canada. Nothing is recorded. And then moving down into Washington, um, not a lot of seismic, but we do have Mount Rainier and also Mount St. Helens are both rumbling. And then moving down into Oregon, not a whole lot going on there, but out in the uh, the sea on the Blanco Fracture Zone. And this is that step fracture. And we have 3.8 there. And then moving down to the next, uh, that 3.8 was north, and then down on the next step, we have 2.6. And so this this is really part of the Cascadia Basin, and it is under quite a bit of tension. So let's just ask that it be ameliorated in the calmest way. And then moving down to California, ever, you guys fared pretty well in California today. Um, 2.6, no, wait, 2.2 <coughs> was the largest. And then moving down through, let's just send calm again to the geysers area, San Andreas, all the way down to Southern California. And then on the eastern side of the state, we had some activity in the Walker area, the uh, south of Lake Tahoe. And then further south of that, we have Long Valley Caldera. And then south of that, we have Ridgecrest. And I do want to draw attention and calming to uh, Nevada today. Had all kinds of weird things going on there. But we did have a 3.5 in Eureka, and that wasn't the only one. It was a bit of a swarm going on there. And that's just about in the middle of the state, I would say. And then we're going to quickly send calm to Idaho and also West Yellowstone. We had several in sort of in a row. Uh, there they were quite small in the twos and ones. And then, let's see, where else? Oh, I wanted to point this out just because I thought it was interesting. But we had a 2.4 in Lake Erie, and this was just a smidge north of Toledo, Ohio. Never heard of that before, I'm sure. And then moving down, um, sort of in a diagonal line to Oklahoma, we had a 2.4. And then... Oh, I did want to mention in California, not directly under Mount Shasta, but just adjoining Mount Shasta. We had some um, activity going on, very low level, but rumbling. So we're going to send calm to that area. And then we're going to zip through Mexico, nothing much going on, 4.0. Down to Peru, all the way to America, 4.0. Chile, 4.1. Argentina, 4.5. And we're going to skip all the way around uh, the southern tip of South America and come up the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And then we're going to quickly move across Italy, Greece, Turkey, had threes. Georgia, which is part of Russia, uh, had a 4.4. And there's actually a swarm going on there. This is sort of over where between 
the Black Sea on the west and the Caspian Sea on the right, sort of in the area around Turkey. And then moving over to the Gulf of Aden. Now, this area is south of the peninsula where you have Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, and Oman. And there's a set of faults that runs through there that could be quite uh, active, I guess. And we did have a 4.6 on this fault line today. And then moving eastward to Iran at a 4.5 and 4.6 in India. And then that brings us right back to where we started. <laughs> so I'll send you back to Jackie, and I want to say thanks to everybody who participated. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Well, Wynn will be taking us on his guided visualization in just a few moments, where he will direct our focus to many of the other issues that need our attention. But right now, the phone lines are being unmuted, and you have this opportunity to put your concerns into the light, always keeping in mind that free will and the highest and greatest good for all be considered. And thank you all for your contributions and your service tonight. And I'm going to ask for the request to be brief as we have limited time being on BBS radio. We'd like to ask whoever is knocking me off the phone every night that they stop doing it. Anyone? Oh, this is Jeannie and Sister Flight. I'd like to place flight and that will member of the human family be supported in opening our eyes to more and more clearly the challenges we are being presented with and seeing clearly any lies and manipulations that we are being subjected to so that we might more easily and effectively withdraw our energies from whatever is distorted or dark and easily redirect those newly freed up energies to the plans and good intentions of the forces of light. Thank you. Tom in San Jose, support and protection for Sidney Powell, Mike Lindell, for the film document documentary, 2,000 Mules and Rig, 2020. Thank you. Anyone else before Jennifer goes to the healing list? Uh, this is <clears throat> this is Cecil. I'd like to put my wife Betty in the light for a quick and easy and safe passage. Thank you. Thank you, Cecil. So, please, Jennifer, go ahead. Yes. I would like to put everybody on our call, <clears throat> including our DBS listeners. I want to put everyone on our healing list, regardless of what your need is. I would also like to make mention of the following people who need just a little bit of extra prayer tonight, and that is Cecil and Betty, Lauren in Washington, Joe T. in Washington, Tom in San Jose, 
our dear moderator, Jackie. I want to put you in the love light, sweetie. And ask everybody else to do so, too. Antonio Jr., Sr. and Abby. Maxalina in Ojai. Morning Sky in Oregon. Kathleen in Vermont. Bonnie in Corona. Tom here in uh, Greensburg. Linda Chamberlain, who is a friend of Judy. We send her a lot of healing. Introduce her to our way of working with our sources. We ask that she be healed. And Monica from Washington. Rudy from North Carolina. And last but not least, our dear sweet Terry and Wynn. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Muted. Yes, and particularly Terry, who is like really low energy. And I'm running around working on it. And she just got released, of course, from the rehab center. But she really wasn't ready to be released. Or maybe she was, because maybe it's better that I'm doing it. And um, we finally got a wheelchair today. And thanks to Judy in Camp Verde, who was researching it, she told me that the, and this is good for everyone to remember, um, the veterans uh, have wheelchairs, which they loan to people. And I found a veteran's place about 15 miles from us, and I went there today. And she gave me this beautiful wheelchair, and she said, you probably need it for six months. That's okay. You just return it. I didn't even sign any papers, okay, or anything. And um, that's a good thing to know if you ever need a wheelchair. So we're we're just just take a moment and send this energy to Terry, who is busy sleeping right now. And we put it into the field of energy that she will eat a little more because she's not eating very much. And now we're going to go through our scan of our planet. And we have to do it very quickly so we finish. Usually we end up going five minutes over or something. And we can do that when we're when we're not on BBS, but on BBS we should finish at 8 p.m. Pacific time. So we we create a group energy or a blending, which they don't like that word, or a meeting of ourselves at a higher level. We ask our sources to join us, which they already have, and they do on every one of these calls, and they add their energy to our requests when they deem it 
as it being for the highest good of all concerned and honoring free will. So we're surrounding the entire planet and we're going to be repeater stations for the love light energy of the universe. And we project that energy down to the surface of our planet, uplifting everything it's able to receive it. And we focus in particular on the humans on the planet who are service to others in small ways or large ways, making a contribution to the energy flows on the planet. We send this energy to the children and young people who are sensitive to energy, but usually not very wise yet. And we ask as they get older, they get wisdom and discernment and become worthy of being the leaders for our planet. We go to the animals and pets who help keep their owner's chakras open, and we bless those relationships. We go to the plant life, the trees, the bushes, and the grass that bring in the energy from the higher realms, move it through their plant bodies, and into the earth. We go to the rocks, the minerals, and crystals, who also can hold the energy very strongly in their very solid matrices. We go to the insects, who are part of the balance of nature, like the bees, and we send this energy for the continuation of those important species. We go to the fish and the sea life, and the dolphins and the whales. We go through the surface of the earth and we connect with the energy field of Mother Earth herself, which, you know, spreads out through the entire interior of the earth and through the surface. She has to process it, all the life on Earth, particularly the humans and many of the things they do, which are harmful to Earth. So we're just going to send our energy down and send healing to Mother Earth and gratitude to Earth for hosting us in these physical bodies on her planet. We go to the energy waves that travel through the Earth and terminate in potential earthquakes and volcanoes. And we send calm energy. Jennifer went through all of the seismic events of the day 
and we're going to go to the potential events for the future. And so we go now back to the surface of the Earth, and we go to the three major earthquake zones, the Ring of Fire, the land masses surrounding the Pacific Ocean, huge area, most volatile of all the earthquake zones, and we send calm energy to the entire area where there are potential earthquakes and volcanoes. We go to the middle, the New Madrid fault line centered in St. Louis and the surrounding states. And we send a column of light hundreds of miles in diameter to all the vulnerable areas in that zone penetrating through the ground and bringing calm energy. We go to the Mid-Atlantic line in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, stretching from the North Pole to the tip of South America. We put a longitudinal column of light along the entire fault area, penetrating through the water into the ground underneath the water to all vulnerable areas and send calm energy. We ask our sources to find any other potential earthquakes and volcanoes anywhere on our planet and send this calm energy. And any earthquakes and volcanoes that need to occur because the Earth has to release stress might happen gradually and away from population centers. We go to other vulnerable things that are going on on our planet. Start out with the coronavirus, its mutations, and any other contagious pathogens or viruses now are in the future and we ask that they be rendered harmless. We go to the immune systems of humans, and we ask that they can be strengthened. We go to the pathogens and toxins in vaccines, and ask that they can be transmuted. We go to the awareness of the human population that they become aware of the negative agendas going on that are not being reported honestly in the major medias or the, what do you call them, the internet social networks. We go to the awareness of humans and ask that they can become more aware 
of the positive support that's available in higher dimensions and understand that asking gives them more permission to do interventions because they honor free will and for the highest good of all concerned. We go to the people who suffer. We send them the Christ energy that they have something to grab onto to pull them up out of their suffering. We go to all of the droughts happening on our planet, particularly in areas where there's populations, where there's crops growing, and where there's animals needing water. And we ask for gentle, consistent rain to help compensate. We go to the governments of our planet. We ask for qualities of leadership that make people feel safe and cared for. And we ask that those countries and groups that are adversarial can settle their differences peacefully. We send this energy to the Ukraine and Russia for the quick and peaceful resolution to the war that's going on in the Ukraine. We go to interventions and we ask that our realm is protected from nuclear weapons going off. We ask for the transmutation of toxic materials anywhere on our planet, chemtrails, radio frequency microwave 5G, it's toxic, radioactivity, and anything else in food, air, water, or medicines. And finally, we bring this energy back to ourselves. We see this love light energy of the universe, the Christ energy, moving through the galaxies, the solar system, the outer energy fields of planet Earth, and landing on our rooftop, where we have an energy filter that only lets positive energy through. And if we're comfortable, we invite this energy into our home and let it clear any negativity and turn our home into a sacred place. We send this energy to the outer walls of our home creating a filter that blocks any negativity, negative energy from the world for getting into our home. And we invite this energy 
into our body to help open up our chakras and break down obstacles, traumas, past life patterns that are no longer helpful for the mission in this life and activating our DNA. We remind everyone that you are each an aspect of the one infinite creator temporarily experiencing these physical bodies on planet Earth. And that if you're listening on BBS and you would like more information about the work we do, go to thespiritchannel.net where we have the archives of thousands of calls where we're talking to these group souls in higher dimensions and where you find the phone numbers for all of our calls. Um, some are on BBS and some are not. And so uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for the people who volunteer to make this call possible. And it's time to close the call, and we'll see you next time. This session is no longer being recorded.